Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. Today, my guest is Newsday's Colin Stevenson, and we talk about the Rangers, their start, the kids, David Quinn, and even some trade talk. So let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the all-new Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. And with me today, he's a scholar. He's a gentleman. Newsdays, Colin Stevenson. Scholar. That's interesting. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, that is, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Hey, listen, I read your work, right? And I go, I look at my, my writing and I go, ooh. <laughs> like, I get to that level. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, it is Saturday, January 30th. The Rangers are set to take on the Penguins today. Uh, we're recording. It's around 930, 1030 today. They will skate at the MSG Training Center. COVID protocol <laughs> says Colin has to watch from home, which he absolutely loves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are talking about a Rangers team that has been playing, uh, you know, for the record aside, pretty damn good hockey. And it's sometimes it gets lost in it, especially with fans and the noise. But they're coming off a win where Alexei Lafreniere scored in overtime. Absolute beauty. There's a lot to be said in that goal. I want, I want your reaction, your assessment of his play so far and what you thought of his game and that goal. I, I think uh, – <clears throat> Listen, he's been everything that um, we we were told to expect, right? He's he's certainly mature beyond his years. He's 19 years old. You forget you forget he's 19 years old. You just look at him as a guy that's you know a regular guy. You don't think of him as a rookie. Um, <clears throat> he he's 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 generating chances. He's playing responsible uh, enough defense that you know the coach keeps throwing him out there, and that's that's the you know, that's the, the one thing um, that gives you a clue as to how well he's playing, right? If he wasn't playing uh, as well as he is, he wouldn't be playing as much as he is. Uh, that's that's one thing you got to say about David Quinn is um, <clears throat> he holds these kids accountable and they, you know, he plays them when they deserve to play. And Alexi's deserved to play. You know, as you know, we're we're not around the team, so I haven't really gotten to. I haven't met him yet. Um, certainly haven't gotten to know him. But just looking at him on the ice, um, you know, he's uh, he looks like uh, he looks like a stud, man. I mean, I think he's uh, you know he's uh, he belongs. Um, and uh, you know, the the thing about it is, <clears throat> you know, he, he had a, generated a ton of chances. Uh, he gets the one, and and now you see if if you know if, if many more start to go in after that. But yeah, no, no, no complaints uh, as far as Alexi. I think he's been he's been great from day one. You sure he generated a ton of chances because a Buffalo reporter inserted himself into a conversation recently, saying that another no show performance from Lafreniere before he scored his OT winner, which I thought was hysterical. I don't think reporters real ever really want to become the story, but I just. Again, it's an assessment. And listen, we're all able to voice our opinions of what we think we see and we provide our commentary. I mean, that's kind of how we make a living, right? We're out there. We're giving our assessment. 
Um, but when someone says that, you know, Lafreniere isn't doing anything and doesn't, and it's like a, you know, no, another nothing performance. I'm literally going, pump the brakes here, man. Is this, are we watching the same kid? Because just because he has zero points, I mean, in the game that you're, you're talking about specifically where, where you make the comment, the, he literally had two glorious chances and one of them, all he has to do is elevate the puck, which is fantastic, which really makes me want to talk about Lafreniere over and over again. He had the presence of mind on his OT chance just to settle the puck a split second and lift it over Allmark. And that is, I mean, that's, that's beyond 19 years old in the NHL as far as I'm concerned. You know, when you look at him, he's generating those chances. So have you ever visited a site called Natural Stat Trick? It's something that keeps all these advanced stats such as – I, I, I do, I, I, you know, rarely. Right. But I, I, listen, I get it. It's, it's, it's just a lot to consume. And honestly, right. You're, right. you're seeing it. It's, it's in your face, right? But just to go back to that conversation, like I looked at Lafreniere and through seven games, he's got 12 individual scoring chances and seven – uh, individual high danger chances for. I mean, that's that's the statistics of what people are, ca- are, are looking at. And when you look at Jack Eichel, who's played one more game and a ton more minutes than Lafreniere, he has 18 scoring chances for, but only six individual high danger chances. So what are you seeing that we aren't? And ultimately, in the end, this kid is probably that that's opening the floodgates. Are we going to start seeing more points from him now? Is that your assessment that this is it? Got the the proverbial, you know, monkey off the back and here we go. Well, I, I think, you know, certainly I can't tell you that you're going to see the the points coming in an avalanche, but you know, it's been it's it's happened that way before with other people. And and the way he's played. Now, first of all, in, in defense of that that uh Buffalo reporter, you know, when you're covering a team you're focused on that team and less so on the other team. Hockey's a game that's just, it's just too fast to watch both teams I've found. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I watched the Rangers and I couldn't tell you, you know, what anybody on Buffalo did other than, you know, when, when, when they score a goal pretty much or that the goalie played really well. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you who the third line winger uh, on the Sabres was and what he was doing. Right. So, right. you know, all that said, you know, give a guy um, the benefit of the doubt and say, listen, yeah, this kid came in with, with zero points through six games at the time. And and he hadn't scored until the overtime. So really he went seven full games, I guess, and not having scored. But, you know, with that said, you know, from our perspective, you know, Lafreniere is on the Rangers and that's the team that we're interested in. And we watch him a lot more closely than that guy does. Um, and he has been playing well, and he has been generating chances. And you assume <clears throat> now there's there's a point where you know you keep generating chances and you can't finish them. Then then you know that doesn't really help anyone. Right. Um, at some point, you got to finish your chances. So now the assumption is that okay, he he you know is is as you said you know he he got the one that weight that psychological weight is lifted off his shoulders. He can now be. Um, a little bit more mentally free where he doesn't have to stress on the fact that, man, when is this thing going to come? And, uh, you know, theoretically, he should be okay. I mean, he might get one tonight. You know, as we speak, it's Friday morning, or Saturday morning, rather, and they have a game against Pittsburgh <clears throat> tonight at the Garden. So, I mean, theoretically, he could get one tonight. He could get one, you know, 
he could get he could get 20 by the end of the season. I mean, I don't know, but he's playing well enough. And that's <clears throat> it's as David Quinn said in his post game the other night. You have to let the eye test tell you who should play. And clearly, his eyes are telling him that this kid's playing well enough to, to play. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's part of the fun of it, right? But the, the thing is that the kid um, clearly belongs. He doesn't doesn't look like he's nervous. He doesn't look like he's out of place in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> and he's just going to, you know, he's, he's going to play and he's going to contribute. And that's, and that's what you, that's what you need really. I agree. Um, the other thing that stands out about, you know, Lafreniere is through those seven games when other play with the, cause he's had a, like I just, explain right he's had a lot of high danger chances before one actually went in and he's had a lot of scoring chances and he's gotten by the way five on five the fourth most minutes amongst all forwards that's Lafreniere so so I don't want to hear David Quinn is you know stymieing his you know development that that's nonsense anybody who talks like that is really not looking in it's again that's where the eye test is failing some people that's where I, because if you're not diving in a little bit further and you're making those assessments, you, you got to see that because I want to talk about Capo Caco as well, because that's been a fun conversation in the last couple of days, because if it's not one thing fans will complain about, it certainly will be another. Um, but throughout that stretch, never once did I see him get down on himself look like he was shaking his head, looking up in the air, like when a chance is missed. He seemed to just like, it's going to go in and I'm going to make sure it goes in and I'm going to keep going at it. And that's why I, and I, and speaking to a couple of people close enough to the org, they are looking at this kid beyond special and proving it now that this is future captain material. And I just look at him on the bench, talking to players. I saw the reaction of his teammates and just the, the way they, like the veterans, Panarin was the first one to skate to the kid and hug him. You have Kreider. I mean, by the way, the beautiful budding relationship between Keandre Miller and Lafreniere is special. Cause <laughs> I don't, I, I honestly think Keandre was happier for Lafreniere than Lafreniere was for himself. Because he was he was hollering and it could be heard through the screen. It was amazing. But this kid, I'm sorry. I know the Rangers fans all want Zabanajet to be captain, but it may make sense just to hold on a little longer. Because this guy is probably going to be the guy that this, that should wear it for the next decade. Thoughts? You know what's interesting? I was thinking, and I wrote a, a big story uh, on on <clears throat> on Miller yesterday, and I was thinking that he should be, he's a future captain, right? He's future captain material, which is, which is what you want, right? You want, you want to have a bunch of guys on your team that, that are leaders and leadership group and all that kind of stuff. But Keandre's ready for that. I mean, he's, he's been ready for everything that's been thrown at him. I mean, you see what he's, he's handled um, to this point, right? Um, on the ice, you see how he plays. He's calm. He's cool. He doesn't make mistakes. But, you know, as I wrote in, in, uh, in my Sunday story, it'll be, it's up online now. It'll, it'll, it'll be in the paper tomorrow, Sunday, um, about Keandre. It's like you can tell a little bit by just how he handles himself in, in those post-game media Zooms, right? Um, he's only being asked hockey questions. Nobody's asking him anything, you know, off-ice stuff because we don't have the time. We get four or five minutes, and it's all, you know, it's always after a game, so you're asking about the game. 
But the way he answers the question is the way he handles himself, the way he's so confident in dealing with us. He's not skittish. He's not nervous. He doesn't say um a lot. Um, <clears throat> I do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But no, I, I think this is a kid who uh, is a great communicator, um, and I, I see, I see him developing as a leader as well. So I mean, and you're right; those two uh, form the relationship over the I don't want to say summer, but over the off season anyway. Um, they they lived, I guess, lived together with a with a village, yes. and uh, and worked out together, and, and really got close to each other, and um, that's. You know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, they're bonded now um, and and will, you know, both figure to be here for a long time and and, uh, and the future looks bright for the both of them. So, you know, <clears throat> let's see. Now, you, you brought up Kako and, and uh, that's a guy that, you know, I'm I'm closely paying attention to to see, you know, how things go for him, because where Alexi. Alexi kept getting promoted, even though he wasn't scoring. Kako, it seemed, um, had a quick hook on a lot of stuff. I mean, he started he started the first game on that second line with Panarin and Strom. He didn't finish that game, so you know he's been sort of put on the third line, and he's, and he's looked good there. I mean, he looked good with uh, Heedle, and uh, and I think he's he's playing uh, well. I think he's playing well on both ends of the ice. Um, he's stronger in the defensive end than I remember him being last year. Uh, so I think he's doing what he's got to do. And, you know, there's only so many spots in the top six, right? There's only, there's only six and, and boomly five of them are taken. Um, so there's probably not room for both Lafreniere and Kako in the top six right now, especially if Colin Blackwell is going to take a spot. Um, for now. So, so that's that's kind of that that is an interesting. Now they're different kids, obviously. Um, Kako's European. He came over here, and the language, <clears throat> even though even though um, the language is English, is the second language for Lafreniere as well. It's it's a little bit different because it's North America, at least. Uh, so this so those kinds of things are a little bit different. But it also speaks to the fact that maybe Lafreniere is just on a different level. And, and you know when you when you speak to people, yes, you know Jack Hughes. There's a number one pick overall every year, but there are certain years when that number one pick is sort of a different level than your standard run-of-the-mill number one pick, and and Lafreniere might be that this year. So I'm going to throw this at you. And again, while we're watching the game, we see it's more than just five-on-five, right? You have power play, you have PK. And I think that's what people also, like they're they're taking it all in and seeing. But so – like I said, I've been doing a lot of digging. Um, right when you have to try and pump out three or four stories a day to keep your site pushing and pumping, you right. you, you look for a lot of stuff. Yes, so yeah. I went looking, and when it came to five on five minutes this season for the New York Rangers, right, your your usual suspects are at the top. And like I told you, Lafreniere was number four. He actually has more minutes than Zabanaj had five on five, which I thought was interesting. Right. But Chris Kreider has played 83 minutes and one second on five, for five-on-five five play this season. Capo Caco has played 82-54, seven seconds less five-on-five. Five. Now, like you said, no doubt, he's not getting the power play time. He's not, he doesn't kill penalties, so let's push that aside. So he's not killing penalties, so he's not going to get those minutes. 
But power play, power play wise, that's a big to do. But here's another thing, and we can talk about this really quick because I'm a little all over the map, but there's just so many points that, that are coming up. Right now, no one really is playing power play minutes because that first unit won't get off the ice. Right. I'm sorry. I love that that, that you know <clears throat> these guys are out there, but David Quinn's got to rein this in because they are literally playing a minute and 40 seconds of a two-minute power play. And it's almost all five. They won't get off the ice unless you can ask David Quinn or somebody, and I didn't hear it. What are you gonna like? Do you are you specifically is the strategy to leave them out there as long as possible? And I do understand that, you know what, the, they, they have a lot of puck control. There's been right. somewhere you can't say a word. They've had the puck in the zone. They've pinned them in. They're just not scoring. But the truth of the matter is I did see plenty of opportunities over the course of these power plays where after about a minute, they could have gotten off the ice, even like around 50 seconds to give the second unit a chance. And Kago's not even playing on the second unit, but it is a Big, big difference. What is your take on the on the power play right now? And what do you think? Is it a strategy? Is it just something that's the way it's going, or is it something worthy of asking? Well, so it, at some point, it's, it's something worthy of asking. As you as you listen to these post game zooms, you know you you can see that we're not getting a lot of time to ask sort of terribly detailed questions. You kind of hit the most obvious questions, and then you run out of time, right? So it is something that'll that'll get asked at some point. Um, <clears throat> maybe today. I don't know. Uh, but but yes, the, the, that first power play has been eaten up a lot of a lot of the, the 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 two minutes. And I will say that I liked it a lot better uh, in the last game than I than I did before. Um, you know, you put you know you put D'Angelo back on there. You put Buchnevich on there, and Buchnevich should have been on there from from day one. Yeah, from the drop uh, of the puck. And 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 you took Strom and you took Kreider off there, and so that I think is your first is your top five offensive players. You know, where you have Zibanejad, Panarin, um, Buchnevich, and the two defensemen. Right? I think so. I like that group better than I did the previous first power play unit. So we'll see how long that group stays together and and what develops of that. So I I wasn't mad at I wasn't mad at a minute forty five for that five as I might have been um, the game before when you know they were they weren't generating as much. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you would like to to think that some of these um, guys that are on the second unit need to get some time. I mean, Kako needs to get time on the power play. Lafreniere needs to get time on the power play. Um, and you know, you can't throw them out there for 15 seconds and that's just, just not fair. And it's, it's kind of, it's almost pointless really. So, you know, look what happened, uh, in, in the, in the game, the first game in Buffalo, you know, they throw them out there for 15 seconds and they give up a goal at the end of the shift, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, the second unit has, has got to get a few, a few more seconds, got to get a little bit more time so that they can establish a rhythm together. So. But, you know, we're seven games into a 56-game season. You know, as I, uh, as I tell people, you got 87.5% of the season left to play. So, you know, there's a lot of time for stuff to develop. Oh, we, oh see, this is why I called you a scholar. See? <laughs> the, it, it, see the wisdom? It, it's the calm. I mean, this is professionalism, people. You can't beat it. <laughs> All right. So 
It's, you know what it is? It's it's being old and having seen a lot of this stuff before. <laughs> I am no spring chicken. But that, but <laughs> there's a lot of gray, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom is not always a benefit of age. Uh, <laughs> so really quick, another topic, right? Uh, we are seven games into a season um, where the Rangers are the youngest team in the league. Never seems to, sometimes fans just seem to forget that, right? Uh, a lot of new faces. Once again, David Quinn is trying to figure out the right chemistry for all these new people. And at the same time, he's got to also develop young players to be the future when the Rangers are ready for cup contention. Um, the bottom line here is, is that regardless of the record, and they only have two wins on the season, the Rangers overall, aside from the very first game against the Islanders where they just were overmatched, did not look ready to play, okay, and the Islanders came out of the gate and took it to them, all right, for the most part, this team has been excellent. Little things that turn into wins, which if they continue, I don't see how they don't turn this around and actually get over 500 and possibly compete with the Penguins for that fourth and final spot. and. It's things such as they've outshot their opponents in the last six games. I think um, according to New York Rangers PR, it's 211 shots on goal against 147 shots. Uh, and that's they, they rank second in NHL shots on goals per game so far this season with 33.6 as an average. Plus, they're fifth, I think, in giving up shots at 25. Those are the type of things that eventually will turn into wins. And another thing, if you take out that first game where they, get, where they took eight penalties, the Rangers have, for the season have drawn 33 and have only taken 26. Now you take away that eight and you're going, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Discipline message has gotten through. Even though you know, people take penalties all the time. It's, it's impossible not to take one in during the course of a game. I think Brendan Lemieux took one this morning. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> he might. I'm wondering if Brendan Lemieux will be. Will again. I don't think they'll do any line of changes. We'll talk about that in a second. But these little things all should add up to wins. And maybe you know a, a big save here, a little shaky goaltending in one period here or there has been the difference between the Rangers maybe being you know above 500 and them being below. Thoughts on what they're doing and the difference from last year. Yeah, I mean they're they're uh, they're playing better, and in all those metrics that you that you point out to, and and the one thing that you would have to point to, well, there's two things, is that they're not getting the timely goal, or they haven't been through the first seven games, and they're they're not getting the timely save. Now the goalies have both played, you know, like the eye test. You look at it outside of the first period um, against that in that first game, you'd have to say Shesterkin's been okay. He's been fine. He won a game finally. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, Georgiev played great against the Islanders in that second game. Um, and he's been fine. You know, I mean, outside of, you know, he, he started the, the game against the Devils and, <clears throat> and gave up a bunch of goals, gave up four goals in two periods and got hooked. But I think he played fine in, in Buffalo, too. So the goalies are playing fine, but you need them to be a, little, a notch above fine. And, and, you know, again, 49 games to play. There's time for, for that to happen. You know, we, you know we, we've seen Shesterkin enough to know that 
he's capable of playing a notch above fine. Um, and so if, uh, if, if the Rangers can be consistent in keeping their shots against down and in generating their shots for, then yes, you know, they, they, it should translate into wins, but you know, it, there is still that element of timeliness. You got to get that goal when you need it. Like, you know, Lafreniere did uh, in the last game and you got to get that save when you need it. Um, like Shesterkin did in the last game. So um, <clears throat> that's why you, you look at all the the metrics and all the signs and you say, yeah, they should be good. Now I, 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 I have, um, I'm on record as saying, I think they're going to get in. I think that, you know, when all said and done, um, I don't know who's necessarily going to be out, but I think they're going to be in the top four and I, and I expect it to go, you know, like right down to the wire and all that, but I do think they're going to get in. I think their, um, their youth, their enthusiasm, you know, what, uh, Fox is doing. My goodness. We don't even talk about Adam Fox, right? Because we're just so taken with Lafreniere and Miller, um, and we don't even get around to talking about Fox, but you look at what he's doing uh, and, and how he's, instead of taking that sophomore slump step backwards, I mean, he's taking the next step towards like, you know, stardom, like true stardom. Yep. Uh, but then you look at what Miller's doing, um, you know, well beyond what you'd expect from a 21-year-old guy. Um, he's who amazing. Has, who was playing, I, I, I don't even know what to say outside of amazing. Right. So, I mean, you know, just the way he's positionally, he's always in the right position. He's got that poke check working. Uh, He makes smart decisions. Um, And so their defenses is improved immeasurably by just having him in there. And and you see now, you see him playing with Truba and you see that Truba is now playing better. And some of that is because Truba is more comfortable, no doubt. But some of it probably is because he has stability uh, at, at you know, on his partner side, on his left side, mm-hmm. that he didn't have last year. I mean, think about all the people Truba played with last year. I mean, you know, they tried him with Brady Shea, who was his buddy from, you know, from the NDTP. Um, they tried him with Libor Hayek. You know, he, he played with just about every left side guy on the roster last year. I mean, it, it was, uh, they couldn't find the right partner for him. And now it looks like they have. So that's going to not only... You know, not only is Truba going to help Keandre, but Keandre seems to be helping Truba as well. So that that improves their whole defense. The 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 thing now it comes down to is you do need to get that save. It's like the old Marty Brodeur days, right? You know, it's it's probably easier to get into a rhythm as a goalie if you're looking at a lot of shots, right? I mean, you think, oh wow, thirty five shots, it's a lot of shots. But yeah, if they're all from the outside and and they're all from far out. I mean, it's just it just gets you into a rhythm, and it, it actually is easier than if you're looking at 17 or 18 shots, which is what Marty Berdour had to do when he played for the Devils. They were so good defensively that he didn't look at a lot of shots against. And and so that's you know it sounds crazy, but that is the the challenge for the for the Ranger goaltenders if they're not going to get a constant stream of shots, you know. And, and if like the game, you know, the last game, I mean, Shostakin looked at nine shots through two periods, you know. You, you kind of can fall asleep, and and what the, you know, the challenge goal is is to not fall asleep and to be there when that that you know when that one shot comes and it's a tester to be ready for that, right? So that's it's a different challenge than than they were looking at last year. But to go back to the original point, yes, if, if generally speaking, if you're out shooting a team on a nightly basis, eventually over time you're going to outscore those teams. Common sense, right? You don't need fancy stats or, or or all that coursey analytics to go. Wait a minute, let me get this straight. If I outshoot my opponent, I have a better chance of winning. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
<laughs> and that's yeah. always been my point of contention with a lot of the early analytics and all the people you know who what? You know what? of course he charged. What drives me crazy, Anthony, is is uh <clears throat> is the uh, the plus minus stat because you know that's take that stat's taken a bad rap over the last fifteen or twenty years, right? People are mm-hmm. like they they don't think very highly of it, but it's a stat that works for certain types of players and certain players. Um, and, and you got to comp- ultimately, I always feel like you got to compare players on their own team because if you're a good player on a bad team, you're gonna you're gonna be minus. Because yeah. you're getting a lot of ice time and, you know, I mean, you're giving up more goals than you're scoring. You're going to be minus. You're getting the most ice time. Um, and if you're a good player on a good team, you're scoring more goals than you're giving up. So you're going to be big plus, right? Nick Lidstrom, the Detroit Red Wings, was a plus 50 or plus 60. <laughs> Stevens, too, with the Devils, too. So, um, But so you look at what the Rangers are doing. Who leads them in plus minus? Keandre. You know, um, and... and and people are, are noticing, and, and then you look at you look at the advanced stats, and this is this is my point that I'm getting at. And it's like expected goals for expected goals against uh, Corsi for. It, well, isn't that just plus minus? Just it's sort a, of dressed up a little bit. It's a byproduct of also good play or bad play, right? And it's and you've got relative. Listen, I don't mind it, but you're a hundred percent correct. I plus minus to me doesn't never bothered me. Right. I was like, hey, he was a plus three. But well, what does that mean? It's a simple way for me to tell you that he was on the ice for three more goals than he was against. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good night. So you go, and we all understand that an individual's plus minus is relative to the team, just like you said. And, you know, if the goalie is asleep and gives up a goal, and guess what? Everyone just got a minus for what the goalie did. And it just, they could have played it all perfectly, like the knuckle puck the Penguins scored on Shesterkin, right? <laughs> Everyone got a minus. Right. Everyone got a minus. And it's like, oh, dare, I, I, I don't know. I think Jack Johnson was on the ice or Tony D'Angelo was on the ice. I told you they sucked defensively. Right. I'm like going, excuse me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Be realistic, people. Um, right. And I love the plus minus per se. I just think that it's gotten a bad rap. I mean, it, it, it because a lot of stuff is – it's just kind of variations on the plus minus. I mean, you know, expected chances for. I, I know it's all. Yeah. You know, the, the, and now and listen, I get and like I said, for someone like myself who's writing four or five articles a day and got to dig a little deeper to keep it fresh. I, I, I don't mind those stats. And I try to I try yeah. to use it to explain a, a point I'm making versus I'm going to write an article strictly based on a player's goals per 60. Excuse me. Nobody that I know really, really wants that. There's a small group that dominates just like anything else. The, the loudest is usually, you know, the squeakiest wheels get the oil and they dominate a lot of Twitter and things like that. But it, it, like, like you said, goals per 60, that's great. But you know what? At the end of the day, if you got player B whose goals per 60 is better than player A, but player A is a 50 goal scorer, the other one's a 25 goal scorer, you give me player A all damn day. Well, you yeah, give me so the 50 goal scorer every day. What you said right there is, is you use these statistics to explain stuff that you're seeing as opposed to, um, to using them to tell you stuff. Because if you look at um, – the the pairing of Jack Johnson and Tony D'Angelo, their analytics aren't terrible. 
you know, but their their goals against versus goals for is terrible, right? I mean, they're 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 on ice for a lot of goals against, um, and very few goals for, um, if if any, to this point. Um, <clears throat> but if you look at uh, you know Corsi four and all that kind of stuff, it, you know, it's not terrible. And, and so, and if and, and in some cases, it's it's better than you know, like the Corsi four. I think I looked at it the other day. The Corsi four percentage for those two was better than Miller Truba, you know, which you know, and Lindgren Fox. I think so. You got to be careful with that advanced stat stuff, you know, and you can't just automatically look at a guy who has bad analytics and say he's bad. Um, you, you just gotta, it's, it's, you gotta go old school. You gotta watch the guy play. You know I mean? I can tell you, I don't love what I've seen out of Jack Johnson this season. You know? Uh, well, no, I, I listen, I'm in agreement. I, I don't think he fits. I know he sounds like a great guy in the room. I don't want to be overly critical. You and I actually, I think when our last time we got together, we talked a little bit about Jack Johnson and I was honest. It's like, I couldn't hold that guy's jockstrap. So it's not for me to, to, to demean a player. It just when I look at the grand scope, you know, the context of the team, he's a little slow footed. It doesn't fit the other five defensemen. And, and to all credit to Brendan Smith, he's been excellent whenever he's been in there. He's been energetic. Is he perfect? No. But the truth of the matter is that leads me into another topic. The Rangers have a problem on left defense, and they won't give Libor Hayek a chance because they obviously don't want to admit it. Or they're just, it, it, again, we have to look at actions speak louder than your words. And the kids on the taxi squad and can't, can't seem to leapfrog over Brendan Smith or Jack Johnson. That says a lot to me, regardless of, of what they want to say, like, you know, is we want to try and get him in the lineup. Which, if I'm looking at the Rangers and the prospects in the pool on the left side, there's nobody outside of Keandre Miller who's ready to make that leap. And if I'm them right now, there's a defenseman in St. Louis that they're looking to move, Vince Dunn, who's 24, 25 years old, who's won a Stanley Cup, has 35, 40 point potential, that is screaming, you may want to look at me. And I think that the Rangers are looking. The asking price I heard was a first round pick. The Rangers do not need any more first-round picks. They just simply don't. I know that's like, oh, sacrilege. You never give up a first-round pick. <laughs> well, then don't give up a first-round pick. Give up a second and give up a prospect. But whatever you do, the Philadelphia Flyers, who are not going anywhere, who will be, as you get better, your toughest opponent in this division, along with a team like the Islands, we know that the Capitals eventually will regress. We know that the Penguins are, again, Rutherford left. He was trying to trade Latang, according to a report, and he wasn't able to. So are they having a problem? Are they going to start to rebuild? What's going on over there? That means the Rangers have this great opportunity. Like, don't be silly. Sometimes blocking and preventing somebody from getting a player like Vince Dunn to improve their team could also help you. And he fits. Do you think the Rangers start to make an assessment knowing, hey, listen, we're young and we're on the cusp and we want to take our time, but this guy probably would fit the bill on left defense for the next few years to come. You know, and he's got a nice contract. It's under $2 million. He's an RFA at the end of the season. And the Rangers, I believe, have $14 million coming back to them from dead buyout money next right. season. Yes. What do you think? Do you think the Rangers are in the market for Vincent? Are they at least looking and saying, hmm, maybe we should consider this one? Uh, you know, I, 
I, yes, you, you would have to be. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't have sources that would tell me that, yeah, that, you know, this is a guy they're hot after, but they just barely tell anybody anything. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, you, you, you know, listen, these guys are not asleep. I mean, everything that they've done just about, um, I mean, everything that, I mean, I, I, I'm really impressed with what Jeff Gordon has done. Um, and I, and I, I believe that he, you know, he does his due diligence and yes, I mean, clearly that third, you know, that third pair left D is an issue and you're right. If they really liked uh, Libor Hayek as much as they say they do, then he would be in there. Now, again, <clears throat> you know, Johnson, they said, had a, a groin strain for the last game and sat out because of a groin strain. Okay, assuming that's true, um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there. You put put him on IR and, and you create a roster spot and you move Libor over and you give him a look uh, or not. I don't know. Um, but yes, you, you would absolutely be on the lookout because clearly, you know, what's happening on that third pair with D'Angelo and either Johnson or Brendan Smith needs to be better. Um, now, I will say that it, it was in the last game. Brendan Smith came in and played well. Uh, and I think, you know, D'Angelo played well. I and, mean, you know, back to that plus minus, D'Angelo was plus two in that game. So uh, his plus minus looks a lot better now than it did going into that game. So, um, but yeah, that third pair needs to be better. And so whichever, whatever you got to do to make that better, you got to do it. If that's trading for Vince Dunn or trading for someone else, uh, then I think they'll be, they'll be open to that possibility. And I, and I think that they'll explore it. All right. We're going to, we're going to still play. Let's, let's be Jeff Gordon, uh, in a second. Uh, I want to continue on this path because there's, there's another, there's a growing story that it, I think it's, it's starting to become more and more worthy to talk about. Uh, at least from my perspective. But before we do that, today's lineup, I'm expecting the same lineup. And I think if there's going to be a change, then you're possibly looking at Julian Goche going in for Brendan Lemieux because of that penalty is a possibility. I personally don't think he makes any changes after a big win and he lets the same team ride. What are your thoughts? You think you're going to hear any changes today from Quinn when you talk to him? Uh, I, well, that's a good one. I mean, I think, you know, he said twice, Two times in a row, he said, we're going to see Julian soon. Yep. So he has a plan, or he had a plan, probably had a plan to put him in today. But you're right, they did win. They did win in overtime. Outside of that penalty, uh, I thought Lemieux played uh, played pretty well. Um, uh, you're not taking out Di Giuseppe. So the only, you know, if you're not going to take out Lemieux, uh, then the only one you could take out would be Rooney, right? But, right. you know, Rooney kills penalties for you. And if you take He's out center. Well, yeah, but they have enough of those. I mean, because Blackwell. Blackwell, yeah, but Blackwell's Blackwell's not a center for now because he's playing the right wing with with Panarin and Strom. Um, but <clears throat> but Howden's a center, and um, but yeah, I, I guess if Blackwell's playing uh, playing wing and Howden's playing center on the third line, then you need Rooney in there. So you're right. The the one person that he could take out if he wants to get uh, well, there's two. You could take out uh, Lemieux, or you could take out. Di Giuseppe. You could take Di Giuseppe out because right now Di Giuseppe is playing right wing and he's he's a left wing naturally. So, you know, Gauthier is a right wing naturally. So you could make that argument. Or you could take out Lemieux and move Di Giuseppe to the left and put Gauthier in there. So those those are your options. Um, and and you're right. I, I think that, you know, he has a tendency to think, well, hey, we won, so let's not make too many changes. So I, I don't know. It's 50-50. I think he's he, he desperately wants to get Gauthier back in there um, just to give him a look. 
Um, but I don't know that this is the game. So I, I don't know. This is a long answer to your question. And that's why you're going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll ask, we'll get them, uh, you know, there's, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, they're home now. So we'll, you know, when they're on the road, we don't have access to, uh, to seeing what their practices look like on their morning skates look like. So, um, they didn't practice yesterday. They have morning skate uh, at 10.30 today as we speak, um, and I, I anticipate being able to get a look and see, you know, who's on the ice. And, and uh, certainly we'll, we'll know in a few hours um, when we talk to, uh, you know, to Quinn as to whether or not he is making changes. But, you know, the, the <clears throat> you know, Brendan Smith played well last night or last – not last night, last game. And, um, and we'll see. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that – has had more games than Jack Johnson, certainly. Jack Johnson, I don't think, has had any good games uh, of the five that he's played. Um, but, you know, I, you know, at some point, you're right. I mean, this, this Libor Hayek thing, I mean, do we want to see this guy or do we not want to see this guy? Because any day now would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up the show. I, I know you only got a few minutes left because you want to you get yourself ready to check out the skate at MSG Training Center today via Zoom, your favorite thing on the planet. Um, so let's just play one last time. Speculation with Colin Stevenson. Oh, so right. here we go. This is, this is growing to the point where it's been talked about. So there's nothing, what I'm about to bring up, is nothing that is like a surprise to you. Right. But I continue to, to, to dig and feel around and ask. And there is a very big th- thought inside the NHL circles, right? Whoever a couple of people speak to you, when it comes to Jack Eichel, that if this season does not go well for the Sabres, and if they can't retain Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel may quietly say, it's time for me to go. Right. The Rangers have already called on him. Bob McKenzie already noted it. Okay. McKenzie noted that there was phone calls made when there was speculation. He may want to be traded. There's no way they were trading him this season because they paid him $7.5 million in a signing bonus. He was owed. So that wasn't happening. They already paid him to play. That was lost money. They were never trading him. So anyway, with that being said, next season, and I'm sure you're hearing some, some of the same stuff from within the Rangers. They are overloaded. They have lots of prospects, lots of players. They cannot all play here. That's correct. You need to turn assets into whatever you need. And if the Rangers truly want to be a Stanley Cup champion, they're not going to do it with, you know, hoping Filipino becomes a, a great number two center or knowing Ryan Strom is, I think to me, Ryan Strom is where he is. He's right. going to be solid player. Probably would be great as a third line center, right? When you look at when you look at teams that win championships, centers and defense really, really get it done in today's NHL. You need those star players. You need those guys. And centers really dictate a lot of what happens. They have Mika Zibanejad. If they could, and they have the. This is what I mean. They have. They could go after Jack Eichel if he wants it. And I, my impression is, and. Or everything I heard, it's being written about again. Jack Eichel, if he's available, the Rangers are going to give up whatever they need to get to, short of Alexei Lafreniere and Keandre Miller. Those guys are untouchable. Shostakin's untouchable, but they do have a lot. 
in prospects and players to land the player of Jack Eichel's significance that I think even the Sabres would be like, if he wants to go, this is the this is the team with a massive package. Do you think that could happen? Is that something? Or are you just saying this is fantasy hockey, Anthony? Stop talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the short answer to your question is yes. I, I do think that that's absolutely possible. <clears throat> and I think that they'll look at it and talk about it. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, now the you do have to be careful in a salary cap league that um, that you, you're going to have to be able to manage the salary cap. So it's not the NBA. The salaries don't have to match. And as you, you pointed out earlier, you know, they have all this dead money that's coming off the cap. I think there's a $6 million hit uh, that's still tied to the Shattenkirk buyout. And there's a $5.5 million hit that's tied to the, um, to the Henrik Lundqvist buyout. So there's all this money that now becomes available. So you'll be able to, um, to manage it for, you know, for next year anyway. But, you know, you do at some point you're going to have to pay to manage it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that becomes the issue. Can you carry three $10 million guys on your, on your roster? But, um, so that would be the thing that you'd have to navigate around. Um, but I think absolutely if, if, if the opportunity is there for them to do it, you do it and you figure the rest of it out later. And that's a good way to wrap up the show. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. Everyone, Colin Stevenson of the Newsday, you can follow him on Twitter and please do. He gets great updates, especially during practice. And you're going to want to follow him right now so that you can hear what Quinn has to say at Colin S. Newsday. Colin, thank you so much for joining me and enjoy your weekend, man. Thank you, Anthony. And it's always my pleasure to come on. You know, anytime you need me, let's do it. It's, it's always long. Yeah, you've been coming a Forever Blue Shirts regular. I love you, man. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a great weekend. All right. You too, man. See you. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening.